Welcome to Behind Business, the podcast where Cordamentha experts discuss the most pressing issues facing business today. I'm Sean Aylmer, an economist and journalist for 25 years and the host of the Fear and Greed Daily podcast. The childcare industry in Australia is both huge and hugely important to the economy. The sector plays a vital role in enabling parents to participate in employment and childcare centres are trusted with nurturing children through their formative years. Childcare centres don't just allow others to return to work, fueling the economy, they're also businesses themselves. Government subsidies form a key component of revenue for most centres around Australia, but the whole sector has been hit by COVID-19, as more people work from home and parents withdrew their children. Today, we'll look in detail at the childcare industry, the demand, the challenges, the businesses, and what the future holds for the sector. I'm joined by two experts from Quartermentha. Bill Sykes is an executive director from the real estate team and joining me from Brisbane. And Ryan Rabbit is a partner in restructuring based in Sydney. Bill, Ryan, welcome. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Firstly to you, Ryan, can you provide us with an understanding of how big the sector is? What's the, the childcare sector worth in terms of revenue and, and how it's performed? Thanks, Sean. So the childcare sector generated total revenue of about $11.5 billion in FY20. And that represented a 10% decline relative to FY19. And the year was impacted by some of the toughest months in the COVID-19 pandemic across Australia. Over the five years to FY19, however, the sector grew at around 2.3% per annum to total revenue of $12.5 billion. And that period was largely driven by some solid industry fundamentals, including government support via the childcare subsidy program, growing female workforce participation and also population growth. However, that was partially offset by some challenges in the sector around excess capacity in certain markets. Okay, so are there different types of childcare? I think of childcare in the way that my children went to childcare, but what's the composition of the market? And I'm interested in who owns all these child centres, whether it's private equity, whether it's not-for-profit, that type of thing. Yeah, so Sean, the childcare market provides care for children 12 years and under. And there are broadly three categories of childcare. There's long day care, which is for children aged between zero and four years of age. This represents roughly 64% of the market. There's outside of school hours care or before and after school care as it's known. And that's for primary school aged children between five and 12 years. And that represents about 35% of the market. And then there are a range of other types of care, predominantly family daycare, which takes place uh, in the educator's home. Uh, and that care makes up the remainder of the market. You know, as you suggest, the ownership of the sector is in fact very fragmented. There are a lot of small participants in the market. The largest two operators account for about 20% of market revenue and actually over half of total providers are in fact not-for-profit organisations. So, you know, that market fragmentation is a key reason why we've seen such a growth in private equity presence over the last five years. Okay, so, so the two largest, one is G8, I believe, which is listed, and the other is Good Start, which is not for profit. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's correct. Bill, I might bring you in at this point. Ryan mentioned some of the reasons why there's demand for childcare centres. From your point of view, is it a demographic issue primarily, or is it a return to workforce issue primarily? How's it work? Oh, look, it's both of those things, Sean. And as Ryan touched on earlier, one of the traditional drivers is workforce participation. So demand for, for workforce participation and in particular, female workforce participation or maternal workforce participation. And it's important to note that 
increased workforce participation typically improves national economic productivity and higher national productivity is always a policy goal of both sides of politics. So in turn, another key driver of demand is government support and subsidies to the sector, which which has been simplified recently to an all-encompassing childcare subsidy, which is means-tested. But as you've mentioned, the, the other key demand driver is population growth and population growth in that key demographic cohort of young families. So Bill, parking the coronavirus pandemic, because that was a very different year 2020 and, and this will probably be the same, both those factors that you're talking about suggest there will be growth in the market over the next decade or two. Yes, that's right. That's fair to say. And there has been growth in the market. There has been growth in workforce participation. And I think that's an upward trend that, that is going to continue, Sean. So Ryan, can you explain the government subsidies in the sector? Government support for childcare sector comes via the childcare subsidy or the CCS as it's known. That program was introduced around 2018 and it's paid directly to the childcare operator. The government did announce in FY21 budget that it estimates CCS funding of around $9 billion to the childcare sector. So it's clearly very significant. I mean, to put that into some context, you know, as I mentioned, the sector revenue in FY20 was $11.5 billion. So it's a fundamental driver for the sector's financial performance and the demand of parents. You know, the CCS gets a lot of attention both in politics and also in the media. So this is clearly an area to watch for both childcare operators as well as their investors and their lenders. Okay, so what happened early last year when COVID-19 hit, Ryan? Sean, at the onset of the COVID pandemic in around March of last year, childcare operators experienced a significant reduction in occupancy as parents kept their kids at home given health concerns around the virus and also you know, because of financial concerns. And this had a huge impact on the viability of the sector and many centres were forced to close during that time. Now, the government responded fairly rapidly, recognising the crisis faced by the sector. And in April 2020, the government introduced what has become known as free childcare. And this effectively involved the government funding around 50% of an operator's revenue without any financial contribution required from parents. And at that time, operators were also able to access the JobKeeper program. Now, that program proved critical to providing cash to the sector to pay wages and rent, and ultimately enabled it to continue operating and provide a critical service for the functioning of the economy. Since that time, there have been a series of transition packages provided to the sector by the government, and those packages concluded at the end of January this year. So, Bill, how tough is it maintaining occupancy at the moment? Now, I'm only going on G8 numbers because they're released publicly because it's a listed company, and they were about 75% late last year, and they've said it's creeped up since then, but that doesn't seem super high in terms of occupancy rates. Yeah, Sean, G8 is a pretty good proxy for the market because it does have such a broad spread of childcare centre locations. But look, generally, the challenge of maintaining occupancy varies from centre to centre. But one of the key factors affecting occupancy includes location of the centre and the sub-market supply, meaning how many other competing centres are there within a short drive time of the subject. Because Childcare supply is lumpy in nature, meaning that the demand supply equilibrium in a suburban submarket can be thrown out by the addition of just one new centre. For example, the additional supply of 100 new childcare places into a suburb 
may mean the difference between profitability and loss making for an existing centre in that suburb. We've actually seen an example whereby we were appointed to work through the restructuring of a portfolio of childcare centres that had common ownership and management. It was interesting that upon our appointment, the the occupancy in one of the centres was just 10%, whereas another of the centres located about 15 minutes drive away was 100%. And the main reason for this was that the underperformer was located in a suburb that had experienced major overbuilding of childcare centres previously, whereas the overperformer enjoyed a low supply submarket in a location of very expensive land, which meant there were high barriers to entry for competitors. So this is a key issue to look out for as there are many development applications for new centres, either approved by council or in a council for approval. And if those centres get developed and delivered, then they'll all add to supply. And so aside from location and supply, the other key drivers to build occupancy and to maintain occupancy is the presentation of the centre, the resourcing of the centre and the quality of the staff. So Bill, how are childcare centres considered as an asset class? Look, generally, childcare centres are seen as a relatively safe and secure asset class given the government support to the industry and the typically long leases in place, almost like a social infrastructure asset. Childcare centres often make the property industry headlines in terms of high valuations and record low yields. This is usually uh, the well-located centres in locations with high barriers to entry and long leases in place to ASX-listed operators. So it's really investors buying the security of those rental cash flows, so passive investors. It is important to note, though, that not all childcare centres exhibit those strong lease covenants, and the yield achieved at one property auction won't necessarily mean that another centre in the same area should trade on a similar yield property valuations and thereby yields should be determined by a range of factors, including the sustainability of the operating tenant to be able to continue paying rent. And this will in turn depend on how well they're maintaining the presentation of their centre, how well they're training their staff and how well their managers are controlling wage costs. Therefore, real estate backed by a single operator tenant who isn't keeping up with the industry expectations in terms of service delivery and quality of staff should trade at a discount to real estate backed by a quality operator with an ASX listed parent company guarantee on the lease. Right, I might bring you in on this in terms of valuations of childcare centres. What are valuations like in the sector? Sean, so the ASX listed long daycare businesses currently trade an average enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of roughly six and a half times. Interestingly, think childcare is currently subject to competitive takeover proposals and the valuation multiple implied by the latest takeover proposal is around about that six and a half times. So that's very instructive. The sector has experienced multiple contraction over recent years. In around 2018, the sector was trading in the ASX at about 10 times EBITDA, and that declined to around eight times EBITDA prior to the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2019. That likely reflects excess capacity in certain markets, as well as some of the operational challenges that were experienced by some of the players. Separately, selected portfolios of long daycare centres have privately traded at around about four, four and a half times EBITDA in that time. It seemed that, I'm going to say 15 years ago with ABC Learning, it was such a boom sector and then that didn't work out. And it took a while to filter its way through the system. Then again, it seemed to be growing again. But it's interesting just in the last couple of years, even COVID aside, it wasn't going in the right direction. Yeah, look, that's right. The returns, Sean, in childcare have 
historically been fairly high. And if you look at those ASX listed operators, their return on invested capital has historically been around 14%. And that reflects high levels of profitability and also high levels of occupancy. Uh, you know, clearly, those sort of returns attract more players to the market. That's part of the reason why we've seen private equity come into childcare in a big way, seeking to roll up players given the fragmentation in the market. So Ryan, how has the sector bounced back in 2021? The childcare sector recovery since the peak of COVID-19 in 2020 certainly appears broad-based from our perspective. This is reflected in conversations that we've had with various operators. It's certainly reflected in the recent ASX results reporting that's occurred. We also see that in a Department of Education, Skills and Training operator survey that was released in November of last year. And this recovery really is on the back of a couple of things. It is Australia's you know, fantastic record in managing COVID-19. The level of new infections has remained low. And as a result of that, we've seen limited restrictions on movement. So parents are free to go to work and put their kids in childcare. And then secondly, the Australian economy has experienced a pretty solid rebound from the depths of COVID. The contraction in GDP in the first half of 2020 was substantially recovered in the second half of 2020. And also the rate of unemployment has bounced down from a peak of around 7.5% in July of 2020, all the way down to 5.8% in Feb of this year. So you know, clearly, again, economy is performing well, people are working and they're sending their kids to daycare. So market conditions you know, generally appear you know, to be a lot stronger than certainly we thought they might be you know, nine, 10 months ago. You know, that being said, it, it is worth noting that there were some interesting data points coming out of the recent ASX reporting, which suggests that this recovery might be a little bit uneven between operators. You know, some of the ASX-listed businesses suggested that whilst the 2020 occupancy rebound was pretty solid, performance through to, say, February of this year, in some instances, was below the occupancy performance in February of last year which is interesting. And that said, some other operators are suggesting that they're performing better in February of this year than they were last year. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the performance of those operators evolves over the remainder of the year. But I think, you know, stepping back from all of that, more broadly, you know, as we've suggested, we're seeing really strong medium-term tailwinds in the sector. But the near-term ongoing recovery certainly isn't without risk. Firstly, we've seen some pretty significant changes in working habits through the crisis. Parents are, are staying home and that calls into question, you know, whether or not, you know, in a more challenging economic environment, they're going to spend the money to send their kids to daycare. Now, you know, we probably don't see that impact as great in long daycare. So young kids aged zero to four, clearly it's tougher to work from home for a day and have your young kids around you. But certainly, you know, we see that playing out in the outside of school hours care uh, part of the sector where, you know, kids might be eight, nine years old, they finish up school at three and they get home by four. And then as a parent, you're spending you know, an hour, an hour and a half finishing off your working day whilst your kids maybe are at home doing their homework or, or watching TV. So that's certainly an interesting dynamic. You know, separately, the COVID-19 vaccines obviously being rolled out in Australia now, that's going to take some time. So there's remaining, you know, risk that we see localised outbreaks again, that restrict movement and force parents to keep their, their kids at home. You know, the economic rebound has been strong. However, JobKeeper's rolling off. And so it'll be interesting to see what implications that has for, for unemployment and the economy more broadly. 
And then separately, you know, there's been a material level of government support for the sector, specifically through the COVID-19 crisis. And that support ended in January of this year. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how operators perform when they're, they're effectively weaned off, you know, what's been a bit of a sugar hit. Where do you see childcare occupancy rates in the next five years, let's say? Because if you're investing in it, you're not investing in it for six months' time, you're investing for five years' time. Yeah, Sean, we certainly see that there are strong medium-term drivers within childcare that will support occupancy and profitability. Bill talked through a number of those. Female participation in the workforce, population growth, you know, those things have returned since the depths of the COVID-19 pandemic and, and will continue to support the sector over the long term. So, so it's certainly you know, attractive for investors. I agree with that. But then against that, the operational challenges do persist as you have high fixed costs of rent and wages. And now wage costs and the ability to control your wages is always a key operational challenge for centres. So you know, good, well-trained staff are, are key to building and maintaining occupancy. However, well-trained staff come at a cost. And uh, the National Quality Framework Another regulation in Australia sets out a requirement for continuing education of staff. As as the staff become more qualified, they typically become more expensive under the relevant awards. So this in turn becomes a cost challenge for, for operators. So the ability of an operator to, to manage wage costs effectively will always impact the, the bottom line. And the, the better centre managers will always be proactively managing staffing levels within the required child to staff ratios in, in order to not overspend on wages. You know, this includes at a granular level active management throughout the day as some children are collected and rooms are consolidated and staff can be allocated more efficiently within the regulations. So yeah, I agree with Ryan that the, there is an upward trend on occupancy, but the operational challenges will persist. So there's so much going on in the sector. Ryan, if you're in that sector and you're a childcare operator who's perhaps grappling with some of these challenges right now, what should they be doing? Yeah, Sean. So when we think about, you know, what childcare sector operators or, you know, investors and their lenders, you know, should be thinking about now if they're dealing with occupancy challenges, you know, we start at firstly a critical assessment of the centre portfolio. People should really be focusing on those underperforming centres and the levers that are available to them to improve performance. Questions should be asked like, how do I optimise my rostering to reflect you know, a low occupancy environment? Can I engage with my landlord for further concessions, for example? If elements of the portfolio aren't performing and there's not a desire to pursue a long-term turnaround, then certainly options for divestment can be explored. We're seeing an increase in childcare M&A activity as the sector outlook begins to improve. Investors in the sector are certainly looking to put money to work. Operators might also want to think about improving the quality of services that they are providing in order to attract new enrolments. Certainly improving the national quality framework rating and the general experience is very supportive of increasing rostering and adding additional services like language classes, for example, is very attractive to, to parents. Another example that we noticed in the Think Childcare reporting was that they drastically increased their marketing via letterbox drops during the free childcare period, and they got quite a significant bump in occupancy that was retained when parents started to pay for childcare again. So, you know, those are some ideas that operators can think about. Focusing on cash flow, obviously always critically important. Cash is king. Uh, and if you're facing occupancy challenges, then certainly understanding where your cash is coming from and where it's going you know, it's critical to giving you the runway to implement a turnaround. And then finally, and this one is really important, 
proactively engage with all your stakeholders. Generally, you know, your lenders are going to be supportive and they're going to want to talk to you early on if you're facing issues and often. And if you do that, then generally you're going to get the outcome that you're after. And presumably that advice goes from the very large guys right down to the single operator players. Yeah, look, it absolutely does, Sean. The issues that we're seeing in the market at the moment apply to some of the big operators and it also applies to some of the smaller operators as well. Now, you think about childcare professionally. Ryan, Bill, have you used childcare centres? Do you have kids that have gone to childcare centres? Yes. Do you think about it differently? Do you walk in and look at it and think, I'm not sure about the stuff, the child ratio and that sort of thing, or can you just enjoy the childcare centre? Sean, I'm actually particularly critical uh, (laughs) when my my children are a bit older now and and I I no longer am a a customer of uh, childcare services, but I am pretty critical because prior to joining Quartermanther, I actually ran a reasonably large childcare business. We had about 20 operating centres with approximately 500 staff, so a, a reasonably big business and so yeah I, w- I was one of those parents who who used to walk in and speak to the center manager and let them know that the lights were still on out the front and that you know there were a few weeds in the in the garden on the way down so i, d- I don't know how much the staff actually appreciated that you know we, we other parents really appreciated it because i was too scared to talk to the staff but we need someone to do that so you're on our side ryan bill thank you very much for talking to behind business thanks very much sean thanks sean I've been talking to Bill Sykes, Executive Director from the Real Estate Team at Quartermenta, and Ryan Rabbit, Partner in Restructuring. Well, there it is. Childcare is a $12 billion industry, not only important as a business itself, but as a conduit to other parts of the economy. It's recovering from a particularly tough period during the coronavirus crisis. Without government support packages, many would have failed last year. But finally, occupancy rates are slowly creeping up. There are broader tailwinds for the sector too namely greater participation in the workforce, particularly by women, and population growth. But it's a tough business. Having quality staff is critical, as is being in the right location without too many competitors nearby. And not surprisingly, given they care for children, how they look and feel matters. Thanks for listening to Behind Business, the podcast where quarter mentor experts discuss the most pressing issues facing business today. I'm Sean Aylmer.